Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. The Cincinnati Bengals are last up as they are the favorites to win the AFC North. Now, this is complicated AF, Andy. The Bengals have pretty clearly, I think, the best quarterback, if healthy, in the division. They have the best offense in the division. They have the best recent track record of success in the division, having won now back-to-back years and having made deep playoff runs in back-to-back years. However, this is sort of the quintessential team that I think you're starting to see some attrition on the roster, mostly on the defense. You're starting to see the schedule gods turn against them. Some just randomly, you know, some just by design who you play, some sequencing decision-making in the league office. Um, But... In 2022, we came into the season with a lot of people ready to doubt the Bengals on the heels of nonsense narrative Super Bowl hangover bullshit. This year, there's none of that. This year, there's a lot of people that think next step Bengals, not just Super Bowl appearance, but now they're going to go win it, right? There are people that have had conversations to fill dead air in the off-season months about... Is Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL? I don't think those people are serious, but there have been serious people saying he's the second best quarterback better than Josh Allen. Um, This is to a degree for me, potentially one of the last times we're going to see this offensive unit together. If they succeed, it's probably the last time we're going to see them together with their current coach in OC. Matt, I would imagine the yeah. OC eventually will get attention if they do it again. Um, and there's a lot of reasons, I think, to be doubtful of the Bengals' 2023 success matching previous year's campaigns on the basis of uh, how difficult the AFC North is uh, and just generally the uh, some of the attrition on the defensive side of the ball. So... This is a very, very weakly held take by me. But I think the Bengals are a slight bet against this year. Where are you on them? Yeah, and it would be it would be more of a hot take if we didn't just get and like I mentioned, this is the first time we get timely news right before doing a podcast preview for a team, but the quote from Zach Taylor today about his quarterback wasn't hopeful. He said, what, we're a few weeks away from what I, when I said we were a few weeks away. Like, I don't know how it read to you, but it made it sound like they weren't super hopeful. And also these this calf injury like this, it's one of those that apparently is more of a lingering thing. And, uh, you know, like they, they all say that when a guy plays through an injury, like, ah, you know, doctors told him he can't really make it worse. It's just his pain threshold, whereas – these muscle strains like this, you can re-aggravate it, make it worse if you don't let it heal all the way. So it's a, it's kind of a tough road to hoe if you – I mean, at, w- at what point are you like, shit, 
this is really bad because for me, it's him missing two regular season games. Because at that point, you're probably 0-2 and 0-2 in the division. And you've got a lot of makeup to do at that point. And those are the, you know, two of the two of the other teams that would be at that point, definitely, but favored to win the division. And then you're bringing him back. At least he gets kind of a, a soft soft landing. He comes back in that in that general games three, four, five range. But I'm like, I'm hitting the panic button kind of early because there's some attrition at secondary. You've, you know, if you don't have your quarterback to start the season, this has just been a weird deal for him with COVID and the injuries and the appendectomy. Just never gets a preseason, never gets a, a normal offseason. Like that was one of the big narratives in June and July. I was like, man, Joe Burrows, this is his first time. He's going to have a regular offseason to prep. This, you know, it's so good. And, and it, it's funny too how this team has, progressed in our minds and in the mind of the market, the sentiment in general, the public, because, you know, Zach Taylor was perceived as kind of a bad coach, how he was putting things together. Didn't seem to quite know what he was doing. I don't know if it's just improved or if we were just dead wrong, we're wrong a lot, but the, the, the meme, and it's funny that the meme was the Penny Sewell, you know, with Jamar chase. And that was the joke was, well, your offensive line is so bad. You, drafted the wide receiver and your offensive line will be the end of you. And they overperformed and overperformed. But, and again, I, I hearken back to the football outsiders chapter. Their first two paragraphs are like the microcosm of that whole thing coming to a head was, and I almost should find it, but basically it was, you know, a replacement level lineman allows Aaron Donald to blow through Rams win the trophy two years ago. Bengals had the ball driving AFC title game. Replacement level lineman allows Chris Jones to sack Burrow game over. Chiefs would go on to win the Super Bowl. It's funny, like it wasn't this persistent thing outside of Joe Burrow did take a lot of sacks, but you were successful despite the offensive line issues. And in the end, it's still funny that it turned out to be the little tiny thing that got you at the end of those, you know, those coin flip endings, those games against really, really good teams and, I don't think I'd trade that, though. It's not like, oh, we gotcha. You should have drafted Penny Sewell anyway. I still like the, you know, obviously the, what you've gotten out of these teams the last couple of years has been amazing. And the the team built, like the, the roster building aspect yeah. wasn't exactly how I'd have gone about it. And a lot of people were questioning it. But it came together pretty quick around the offense and, I guess, like you said, the worry is that's going to crack soon. We're going to have to start finding replacements at receiver. We need to keep improving the offensive line. And then, you know, will Blue Anarumo be around forever? Will his adjustments and game planning continue to keep pace with the, the offensive minds in the league? And, you know, you lost what? Both your who's the, who's the other defender they lost besides the safeties? They lost both Eli safeties. Apple. Yeah. yeah, so he Eli lost Apple, both yeah. safeties and, and Eli Apple. You're going to have – you're going to be asking a lot of uh, some players that I don't know how much you can ask of in the, in the secondary. So it is it is a little bit of a – how do they keep doing it? They can't keep getting away with it. But if the offense stays healthy and they you know continue to put up what Callahan's been doing, uh, Mixon, Mixon took a pay cut to stay here. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, I, I, you've got buy-in from everybody on the team. Like, It seems like a semi-well-run organization, as much as I hate to say that, because of 
you know, how things went during the Marvin Lewis years, but I kind of liked it. And yes, as point, pointed out by the dog in the chat, Eli sucked. He doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have like no, six, the, fewer, the, six the, fewer DPIs. It's, it's 100% Bates and Bell and what that means, I think, to the. Yeah. I don't, I, and I don't have a strong defensive questions. Yeah. I don't have a strong, like, knowledge of what exactly happens if your safety play is really, really bad. Because I, th I don't think there's, you know, it's not like, hey, eight, eight times every year a team loses both their safeties and have to go to replacements. You know, it's just, it's, it doesn't happen all that often. And each one is so unique. And I think a lot of it comes down to is, can your corners, can your coverage linebackers and your game plan make up for it? And then how fast can you coach up the next the next wave of players? And I guess uh, I'd rather lose both safeties and both corners. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if you you did lose Apple, but you, yeah. have, you have some continuity. You're saying if you, if you lose the same quality two corners in the same year is much more impactful than losing the yeah, two quality sure. of safeties. I agree with that. Yeah, but I, I, where, I, I definitely, my edge. Yeah, I definitely think I don't 100% have an, a Lou Anarumo PhD in terms of how he does what he does. He seems to get more out of the defense year in, year out than some of the parts. The op, he's the opposite of Joe Woods. From the Browns that we gave a hard time on Monday. He Lou, Big Lou, is a good coach. Period. Uh, doesn't get respect for uh, whatever what he does to the degree that smarter people than I can tell tell us what what it is he's doing that's so special. Um, but very few people have been able to come up with a defense that even mildly challenges Pat Mahomes, let alone shuts him down for an entire half of an AFC Championship game. Uh, very few people have been able to consistently develop adjustments at halftime of a game that are impactful in the outcome of those games in the second half in the regular season week in week out and lose one of those guys and i worry a little bit without safety uh availability and without elite safety play that uh um he's going to have quite as many tools in his toolbox to get as much done and we'll learn about it and we'll learn about it quick because right out of the gate you face two pretty dynamic uh, attacks in different ways with some different pieces. And so it's going to be a pretty quick test uh, for this defense right out of the gate. Um, the 2022 recap, I kind of just have to say that they did start 0-2. <laughs> Embarrassing loss uh, with five turnovers to the Steelers when you were a seven-point favorite. Embarrassing loss to Cooper Rush this following week when everyone in the universe expected you to bounce back. Um, but then you righted the ship and you... Um, you know, you put together a stretch of five and two football into your bye. Um, you beat, you, you beat the bad teams. You beat them, you beat them and, and, uh, and you, um, and you took care of business against the dolphins. Although that game was a little weird. Ooh, man, the Bengals had two primetime games last year with serious medical shit. The two offensing game was a primetime game yeah. against the Bengals and the DeMar Hamlin game, of course. Um, that's a just a weird uh, circumstance, obviously. Um, but yeah, you you write the ship with the five and two stretch, going to your buy five and four. We were obviously strong advocates to buy low on the Bengals at zero and two last year. I think the best price I got was in the three to one range, maybe three fifty. Yeah, three fifty is plus three fifty. Yeah, I had to go look because I'm yeah. like, it was a good was one. Like it was our, a good bet. Our good buy spot from yeah. last year. And uh, so very happy that ultimately they got there. Very funny that they got there. Uh, via game cancellation. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll get there in a bit. Um, 
coming also, out of the bye was really where this team. Uh, I did look back at that. I think it was like, hey, the Bengals could have had the one seed. Yeah, they definitely could have. So, so yeah. I, I think they got the you know obviously outside of Demar Hamlin who had to you know fight for his life and recover, they got the rawest deal out of that whole thing because yeah, it the. The game hadn't gotten very far, but they looked good. Like they looked like they were going to be very much in that. They were game having a good front. game. They're favored live. Yeah, I'm sure. It's still a coin flip in my mind, but um, they came out of the came out of the bye week hot. Um, they win every other game on their regular season schedule outside of the void, and uh, including wins over Kansas City, Tom Brady, uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> you know, you were beating not just nobodies, but you were beating the tough opponents and covering. Uh, this was a great team to back week in, week out. Um, for whatever reason, they just were not ever consistently um, rated to their uh, uh, to their expectation until things got out of control in that playoff game against Baltimore. Um, they covered one. Oh man, after the zero and two start, they covered five in a row uh, before. They lost to the Cleveland. They didn't uh, lose Browns. after Halloween. Yeah, yeah, the Browns game was rough. If you're, uh, if you're, but road division game yeah. taking a beating like that is they covered game. eight games in a row from Carolina through the regular stiff through uh, the Baltimore um, uh, regular season finale, which is kind of freaking crazy. Eight covers in a row. That's gotta be. Uh, that, that's gotta be rare air. I'm going to look it up while you talk next. But well, don't uh, you remember? Like, everyone was just amazed that the, uh, what is it? The the Falcons covered like six or seven in a row. I think that was the no chase game, Trey Dog or the dog. Um, but honestly, it's more amazing for a team to cover in the second half of the season when you have better power ratings as a, like, a betting atmosphere stratosphere whatever you want to call it then like a team coming out and covering six or seven in a row off the bat that seems way more likely because it's just like oh this this team was very improperly rated and it's taking a while for to catch up and then they're also just uh on the right side of the variance in the, for the last four or five weeks so like the, the fact that they did that how good they looked down the stretch was something and they were suffering from you know some, some occasional missed games there uh Blail collins was not good dude i'm gonna think. blow your mind you ready for this? So going back to uh, at least the nineteen, at least nineteen ninety two. <clears throat> I think back to nineteen eighty nine. Um, there have been how many streaks of covering eight in a row? You six. Guess? Ooh, more than six. Uh, we have had sev- seventeen of those. This is there's thirty two teams over like thirty years. Okay, okay, like, this, okay. Is, this is this is a lot. This is a lot of option opportunity. Um, the Bengals are the most recent. The team before them, the Bengals ended their streak. Do you have any idea who was on an eight-game cover streak last year? It certainly wasn't the Vikings. <laughs> it was not the Vikings. I think they played. Um, God, was was Pittsburgh covering? No. I remember they, they were kind of a good bet. Ah, they were a good bet, but they weren't streaking. I have, I have no idea. You have to tell it me. was the Titans. The Titans covered eight games in a row last year, ending with their loss to the Bengals. 
Um, don't know how that's possible. We haven't we haven't done the Titans preview yet, so we will uh, we would get to that in a moment. Looking uh, forward to that one. You know what? Uh, you know what else is funny, Andy? Uh, a nine game win streak is even harder to come by. That's only happened six times. <laughs> the ninth <laughs> one is the hardest. <laughs> the ninth is there the ten? Yeah, there's a couple tens. Let me look up the tens. We got uh, one. There's been one ten cover streak, uh, and it was the 1992 Chargers covered ten in a row, culminating with their Stan Humphreys. Culminating with their uh, week seven. Oh no, they won. No, they had eleven. The Chargers. The Chargers covered eleven weeks in a row. Ended with uh, week seventeen uh, cover against the uh, the Seahawks. How about that? You know, um, uh, you know they they shut out the Chiefs in the wild card, and then they lost the Dolphins. Any guess how many points they scored that day? Zero. <laughs> Thirty-one nothing. Oh, <laughs> Jack Murphy. That's yikes. before it was pro player. Um, yikes! That's, that's interesting. So okay, yeah, um, Stan Humphreys. All okay, right, back to uh, back to where are we? Cincinnati. Bengals. We're on to yeah. Cincinnati. So it was pretty weird, twenty twenty two. Ultimately, that this team was off a Super Bowl covering every week and that the market was still shy to properly rate them. Like, I think that it's a fair conclusion that if you're consistently covering that you are underrated by market. Am I crazy? You know who it's... returned kicks for the, that 92 chargers team. <laughs> Natron means. What? Was he did? And Turner. No way. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's I, weird. I, I, I get what you're saying. And, how how they were doing it, it didn't feel super sustainable. Fuck, they were good in the playoffs too. So it just, uh, I guess, what do we what do you attribute to the most as far as if you had to pick a, a coach? Well, so the other thing is they they were streaking to the to the good, but they were also a lot of unders. Um, they were an under team in general last year, uh, which I think was basically just saying the defense and Lou and Rumor were underrated. <laughs> Like they were covering because they were getting into the 30s consistently, um, but then they were winning and covering some games like 27-16. I guess that was the last game of the season. So that's a terrible example. Uh, they were winning and covering some games like New England, uh, where they were only minus three, and the total was 41 and a half, and it was 22-18. That, that Ravens game, you know, that was like a Tyler Huntley game. Yeah, that was a total total throwaway. Um, yeah, I don't really know other than like their defense played better than people realized they were capable of doing last year, which uh, and, I think and, and in the second half, good adjustments. That was this I think actually plays into one of the reasons that I feel a little I feel a little bearish on the Bengals this year, which is like the credit I feel like was just heaped onto Joe Burrow's plate. Is Joe Burrow the next coming of You know, I mean, t- Manning or Tom Brady or uh, is is Joe Burrow the heir apparent to Tom Brady, where he is just going to find ways to win games, make deep playoff runs every single year, never get flapped in the playoffs. Like it feels like that's the kind of mold that Burrow has cut. Now he has a huge head start because Brady was nowhere near this talented of a thrower when he was this early in his career. But like, is Burrow the heir apparent to Brady? Your opinion? I don't want to. There's no Brady. Brady's kind of his own thing. Because then we got to say Zach Taylor's the Hall of Fame coach, too. Like, that was such a unique partnership they had up there. But, no, I mean, 
as far as that, we talked about that as rookie year. That was our biggest takeaway week in and week out when we were talking about him early on in his career was poise. Um, look, we just kept saying things like he's poised. He doesn't seem like to have those happy feet that rookies have. He doesn't seem scared to be out there. Um, it, it just like nothing. He was, he was, like you said, unflappable. He didn't seem to have that uh, that air to him that this is like my first time. And we say this all the time, like, hey, this guy played in big games in Alabama at Oklahoma or whatever. And, you know, like it's not the same. Like the NFL, everyone says that the NFL moves at a different speed. And he just stepped in and didn't give a shit. Like he, there, you can't teach that. You can't coach that. Some guys just have that. Like it is, it is something. There is an intangible piece to him, how he plays, how he played right off the bat. So like, Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he would have two Super Bowls right now if Belichick was his coach. Yeah, and again, it's it's tough because it's not like they lost to bad teams. Like that that Rams team really put it all together. Yeah, and and they were home to last year's. Yeah, <laughs> losing to last year's Chiefs team as well as they played. Like that's that's a plus. Like you did good in that game. That was a great game. Um, but no, yeah. like they should they should probably have a Super Bowl. Is Zach Taylor overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Pro, is this, uh, is this Bill Simmons' pod? <laughs> um, is a, uh, yeah, is this a uh, loser leaves town game year for Zach Taylor, Andy? Probably use the, the, the Deion Waiters award. I think um, there's a hot take to be had of will Zach Taylor ultimately be too successful to ever be replaced, but too unsuccessful to ever get Joe Burrow to a Super Bowl? Yeah, he's just like he's Marvin Lewis, but better. Like there's, Kinda. there's this, this is wins a super bowl. This gets you a first round playoff loss every year. And Zach Taylor's right in the middle of it. It's like, Hey, he's a good enough coach and they're doing well enough. And honestly, a lot of it might be, we'll find out a lot of it might be the coordinators. Yeah. I think you got two pretty damn good coordinators again here. And I think that'll be when we find out because Callahan doesn't just have, know the success they've had here he has a he has a last name too i mean he's a he's a nepo baby name like people would be like hey let's hire callahan's kid like he looks good over in cincy right (laughs) it'll be interesting to see once he if and when he does take a a head coaching job somewhere because who wouldn't want to hire uh an offensive mind that put together you know multiple playoff runs with a young quarterback like this yes and yeah. it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, yeah. if there's some drop down and it's like oh zach taylor was actually not yeah. doing much no there I, I can i i'll write the first take um the first take uh intro segment for october 15th 2024 you ready um did the bengals make miss you know make a mistake not elevating you know firing zach taylor and elevating lou anarumo instead of letting him walk out the door and he is now you know leading the blank to uh the last undefeated record in the nfl right like there's a very real question that we'll never get the answer to which is would the bengals be better off with lou big lou in charge uh and because like right now like zach taylor is kind of entrenched to the degree that I don't know what happens to move on to another coach. And honestly, like there's nothing really offensive about the way Zach Taylor calls the game, the way he prepares his players. It's just kind of, I I don't know. It's just, it's missing a little something 
in, I don't know if it's the aggressiveness. I don't know if it's the, um, you know, kind of tendency breakers or, or what, but it's not obvious to me that, uh, uh, he for sure is getting the most out of this offense. Um, like if you look at their EPA per play numbers for last year, considering the players they had and the fact that they're all in their absolute peaks and the fact that that I thought the protection was pretty good for this team last year. I feel like the offensive stats should have been better. Like they kind of should have just gotten whatever they wanted offensively last year. And I don't exactly understand why. And I kind of want to hang that on, uh, on, uh, uh, Zach Taylor, like, you shouldn't have had a worse offense than the Niners. <laughs> you shouldn't have had a worse offense than the Lions. Not with that personnel. What do you think? You're you're muted, by the way. Andy is uh is muted and he's in deep contemplation. Oh, sorry, I'm muted. I had a little internet glitch there. Yeah, you're a little I laggy. Worried. I was, uh, yeah, I had, I have some, I, I, throughout the podcast, I just thought, like, oh, I got to look this up quick. And eventually I have like 35 tabs open. So I closed a bunch. And yeah, good point out. Uh, I forgot where Callahan went after his stint in Washington. He is the O-line coach in, in Cleveland, a divisional rival, which maybe that's, maybe that's a kind of a, a boon to what he's trying to put together with this offense. If you, I mean, kind of one of the better offensive line coaches, offensive line names and, you know, minds in the last however many years. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you could, uh, you could certainly learn a thing or two from Pops there if you had a really shitty offensive line to deal with for three straight years. Mm-hmm. You coached, um, I, you know what? Nice, um, nice words about Zach Taylor. You coached uh, Sean McDermott into a box in Buffalo. Yeah. And th- that's where that's where I wonder where it's coming from because we've seen some really good games from them in the playoffs. Like that one obviously stands out. That's yeah, obviously winning the AFC title game, getting to a Super Bowl is crazy. But that Buffalo game, that Buffalo game stands out as like the gem of yeah. this whole yeah, whatever you want to call this this regime here in Cincinnati. Like they made that was the best team on paper. So it was pretty close. Like it was tight at the top, but I still had them as the best team on paper, I think. And you made them look bad. That was a really, really good job by them. And yeah, I guess I don't have a strong answer for you know why this offense wasn't a little better. It's still just ranked in the top 10 in most of the passing metrics. Good enough. Um, and like you said, they finished the season so strong. Does it sometimes I wonder, does it matter if an offense is at a certain level is if they're winning games and they're winning it by enough margin to, you know, get it done. I mean, we've talked somebody brought that up with Jacksonville, said like they spat out all these numbers. Um it was Chernoff. And God bless him. I love a lot of his takes. I didn't I didn't love this one. He said, like, here's the you know, the the rank for Jacksonville and all these offensive stats. And how can they take a leap forward? It's like, well, offensive stats aren't the end-all, be-all. Like, that's not – if if we just put the teams with the highest EPA per play in, in the playoffs well, – actually, maybe not the worst idea, but, you know, you still have to you have to execute at all three all three levels of the game, and you have to win games. You have to, you have to be able to close games. You have to do things. It's not just all the, the stats on paper. Like, teams who are underperforming on the, the win-loss tie chart – have good offensive like they still can take leaps forward and i wonder if that's where we're at here too because they're you know it's almost the the opposite of trevor like trevor had and that offense had good numbers down there but 
it, it felt like they, they left some wins on the table and they, they could have performed better as a team and they could keep getting better. Whereas these guys have a lot of wins and it feels like the offense still, like you said, could even get better at this point. Like there's, there's yeah. upside. It's not, it's not topped out. It's like, why, why isn't this, why isn't this a team that's just yeah. scoring 40? I mean, spoiler alert, I bet Bengals scored to score the most points this year. Most points scored market. I thought the Bengals were, should have been top two. They were like fourth or fifth choice in the 10 to one range. I bet it. Um, because the absolutely no questions asked. This is now an exercise in continuity. Same coaching staff now for the fourth straight year. Weapons and quarterback with absolute as much familiarity with an elite group as you've ever seen in, on earth. Like you got to go back to like the Niners, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Joe Montana continuity type of days for this good of a group of players playing together for this many years now in a row. And that's got to matter for something good. It's got to be good. Uh, you know, the more years, the better you understand each other, the more you, wrinkles you can integrate into your game. Like this, these guys are smart. They're talented. This is a really, really, really good offense on paper. I think you added uh, in a wise way to your offensive line. I grade this offensive line now as uh, top three in the NFL. Um, this is a little bit of a hot take, by the way. Um, and it's one of the things that's kept me from being a little bit more sincere about my belief that the Bengals are a potential fade this year. No one really looks at this offensive line on paper and thinks they're going to be especially good. Everybody thinks they're going to be middling. I grade these guys as as a whole, like on the same level as the likes of the chiefs and the, and the Eagles and the uh, Lions. like the, they're in that mix. Um, and a part of that reason is like, I guess maybe I just, maybe I overrate Orlando Brown jr. That's possible. Um, but you slot him in with the rest of this group who are, you know, who have proven to be good. And I think ultimately this is uh, a unit that's going to be, um, you know, top in the league. Uh, you give Burrow even more time with these elite weapons and he's going to find more ways to burn you to the ground. Um, yeah, I think realistically the coach, the offensive coordinator continue to develop their scheme. If the coach is a little bit more aggressive, you know, adopt a little Sirianni attitude about how you want to sequence your plays and when you want to go for it. Um, yeah, they can absolutely continue to get better offensively. They could be the best offense in the NFL this year, and it would surprise absolutely no one. Yeah. I uh, I have them in like 13th for the offensive line. So it's we are not really, <laughs> No, we, we, we aren't, but I have... I have upside. Like, there's a lot of upside, and a big part of that is the continuity that we haven't seen a lot of. Like, you get yeah, the center and the right guard, and I'm pretty sure. How many games did Jonah Williams? Um, Jonah, the continuity there, I guess, from center to left side, and then the signing of, or excuse me, to right side, and then a really good left tackle. And then Volson is a bit unknown just because we haven't had a huge, huge sample size, but played good enough for somebody. Like if he has upside and the shift over to right tackle and everything goes fine with that, like it has top 10, top five upside. But yeah, right now, right now it's kind of a, these are a bunch of pieces and it's, it's half, half a rebuild still. Okay. So they've, they had 16 games last year because of the void. 
Jonah Williams, Kappa, Karras, and Volson started all 16. Yep. So they had perfect continuity last year. Uh, and I think Jonah Williams as a right tackle is pretty, pretty outstanding. Um, and yeah, he I think did, Orlando he didn't. Brown is, yeah. Do you remember? He, he yeah, no, I know. He wanted a trade. He said, I'm not playing. Yeah, so, oh, I definitely. Um, I think maybe he saw the trade market or what was out there, and uh, we'll see. He's, yeah, so uh, I, I did. I did just do a. You know, the best part about Twitter during camp time, so you can just type in a player's name, and you get like five videos of them doing something. I do that all day long. That's what I do all day. I just click, take, type players' names in. You got to wait till about two in the afternoon so that they've had practice for the day and the videos are populating, but all afternoon you just type in players' names. And yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Akshish here in the chat says, Jonah Williams has had disastrous games. It's uh, middle middle of the pack for me. It's kind of an up and down thing, but they're saying he looks okay at right tackle, like as far as camp reports go. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just it ultimately the offensive line on paper is perceived as bad, but they protected Burrow relatively well last year. He was near yeah. the bottom of the league in pressures. Uh, he was near, uh, they were especially good in some of the high leverage games. They were especially good in some of the high leverage moments. And maybe it's difficult to divorce Jonah Williams from the rest of those guys since they were all out there for every single friggin' well, snap. And, yeah. Le- left tackle is tough, especially he's playing left tackle next to a rookie. I think he's going to have an easier time at right. And obviously you doesn't matter what happens. Like the signing is an upgrade. Like that's a, that's a top five left tackle. Suddenly you, you have, you have a really good offensive line. If the rookie continues to progress and the move to right tackle works. So your biggest weakness for the last few years. Now you just have to worry about your safeties. Yeah. Um, it's tough to tell, you know, it's tough to divorce some of this stuff. Excess is, I'm sure making some fair points in some ways, and it may be more of what and there were injuries in 2020. It may have been more of what in, you know Jonah did in 2021 that was of concern, and maybe he got better last year, but it just wasn't as obvious. And um, because uh, I guess yeah, I mean like my numbers on Jonah Williams from this kind of matters because if they suck, then you know if the offensive line is bad, then uh, um then a lot of this, a lot of my optimism for the offense goes sideways. Um, 2020 rookie year, I had Williams graded as well below replacement. 2021, I had him graded as a fine left tackle, but nothing special. Uh, and then last year is as a tackle proper, because I think he must have played a little bit of both. Um, he was, you know, he was graded as a, a perfectly, uh, you know, above replacement left tackle in the NFL for what I could tell you. So um, I'll have to dig in more and see if there's a specific reason that the perception is low on them. Um, there's some pass. The the time to pass stuff for Burrow is definitely notable. He was definitely down. He's been, He's gone down every year in terms of his own processing speed and how much time he has specifically decided to uh, dedicate to um, passing. Um, and... Yeah, he was low last year. It was one seconds. The dog's pointing, and I, I think this might end up being a positive too, especially seeing how they, you know, they don't have the strongest running back room, and maybe they can just uh, change it up as far as the run scheme. But he says, for those who can't see, Burrow wants to play more out of shotgun, hence the downhill gap scheme run. Like it's, 
it does change the running game a lot. If the quarterback, like we just talked about this with big Ben and obviously his restrictions were a lot more stringent, but it does change a, a lot about the running game based on what the quarterback's doing and what, what they want to do for, you know, how they're lining them up, especially if they go with a lot of pistol and, and shotgun. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we end up with, you know, a decent performance from Joe Mixon, but I'm still kind of banking on just the pass game, getting us home as, yeah. as it has. Yeah. Burrow's so what's pressure, your, uh, what's your Burrow's, season grade? Yeah. Then, Burrow pressure Burrow's pressure rate was only 16% last year. That was among the lowest in the league for whatever reason. Um, and actually his time in the pocket was pretty similar across all three seasons. So they must be getting better to a degree, I guess. Um, off season grade. I wish they had figured out ways to keep either one of Bates or bell. Apparently they wanted too much money uh, losing both. I feel like matters. Um, didn't backfill really at all through free agency. You're just going to count on your guys uh, continuing to step up. Uh, losing Hayden Hurst for Irv Smith Jr. feels like a downgrade at tight end. I don't get that. Um, you bring in a swing tackle and Cody Ford, who is eh, uh, you know, very well below replacement level as far as I can tell you. Um, and uh, yeah, Trevor Simeon's backup quarterback to me, it was a bad decision. So um, I give their offseason a C other than the fact that for some reason the league let them keep their two coordinators. That's yeah. the only good thing about their offseason. The, the positive is keeping the coordinators. The positive is keeping the receiving room for one more year, I guess. Um, you know, the positive is the negatives are you, you don't have a very good tight end room. You have a thin running back room. You're hopeful but not sure that this offensive line can keep improving and obviously the loss of the safeties and what you're going to be trotting out there in a secondary the pass rush looks good um you know that that's kind of my silver lining to what we're going to see in the secondary if there are issues like at least you have a, a decent front to kind of mask some of that extra pressure helps coverage so um yeah b minus I'm, I'm I'm giving them a little more of a bump for keeping them, and let's uh let's take okay. a look at. Well, let me uh, let me go real quick through my other, okay. uh, my other uh, rankings just to see if you agree. Um, uh, overall, number two offense on paper for me. Um, Who do you have in front of them? Uh, I think Philly. Philly is my number one offense. I was gonna joke it was Detroit. <laughs> I mean, Detroit's up there. Um, number three, skill position group, that could be low. Um, I think maybe tight end is the only thing dragging them down. Uh, I have them as the number 17. Well, defense. I don't know how much you do with running back depth. Like, and it's a rookie, Chase Brown. This is starters. Yeah, these are my starters. Yeah, ranks. like yeah. your running back depth is definitely lacking here. Their reserves overall are a little bit of a question mark. There's some some bad names on that depth chart, um, including quarterback. Uh, I think I, have, I rank. I'm projecting Burrow to be the third best quarterback this year. Uh, I'm projecting the defense to be 17th. Their front seven, I grade sixth. Their linebackers, I grade eighth. There's a couple of standouts on this linebacking core, including Logan Wilson, who just got paid. Uh, that guy's good. Um, the guy next to him, Jermaine Pratt's pretty good too. Like these guys, they have they they got they got good interior linebacker play, so maybe that helps us in the safety question marks. Uh, their overall DB room, I grade 27th, and the pass rush, I grade. 15th so um if if lou gets this defense overall to top half of the league uh when the personnel ranks 17th then uh he's done it again uh and 
yeah, I mean, I don't know how you're consistently getting pressure with guys like, you know, I mean, Hendrickson is a good player, but he seems like a guy you should be able to scheme out of the game if you're an offense. Uh, and uh, similarly, I think, I think some Hubbard. of it comes from just the overall group, just the entire front seven. Like, yeah. Rising, rising tide lifts all boats. Like, Hendrickson probably has a better year than you think he does because that, that whole that whole unit is decent. Yeah, I do have Philly offense better than KC, and it's because the skill position players in KC are Travis Kelsey and a bunch of question marks. A bunch of Jags. So they're still good because of Kelsey, but uh, yeah, don't know what we're going to get there. Um, well, let me let me just pull up everybody because now I'm curious who my other my other top offenses are. Yeah, Kansas City is the third best offense, but their skill position group I have 19th. Um, okay. The schedule is really what I think helps distinguish some of the skepticism about these guys being in the mix with the Bills and the Chiefs as really likely uh, division winners and very likely, you know, and in the in the conversation for the one seed, which is really what all of the equity in the AFC market and in the Super Bowl this year that I can tell you comes down to who gets the one seed in the AFC. I think that is the only question you really need to have uh, in your head that will kind of largely shape how probability ought to be distributed across these teams for the Super Bowl and especially the AFC. The Cincinnati Bengals could certainly get there. There's no denying that. Does not feel great that you start out with games at Cincy and against Baltimore. Um, those those three line, those two lines, even if you had a healthy bro, don't make a ton of sense to me. I don't see six points of separation or you know five points or whatever the win probability is separation between you and cleveland uh and i don't see uh you know more than two points separation between you and baltimore um i think these are pretty tightly bunched teams and if you ultimately flip those yeah, lines and i mean through, that, that brown scheme yeah. that that brown scheme is down to a two is it okay and it's 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 one at some place it's it is coming down I don't know if I can pull up week. Uh, I'd have to go look at look ahead, look ahead. But I think that I think they both came down a little. Okay. Um, now, obviously, there, there's. I mean, half the books just have have it off the board because they don't want to yeah. deal with it. Like locked it up. Obviously, it is a like we said. It's probably a six point swing between between Burrow and Simeon, and you don't want to you don't want to start your year off like that. Just taking one of the shorts right off the bat. So right. take it off the board. I don't care. I'm not mad at you. Yep. Um, I also think in general, like those two week one, week two games, it's a bummer that even if available, uh, Burrow's not going to be clicking with the offense because those would be amazing, amazing fucking games. And those are the highest leverage games of your entire first seven weeks. (laughs) The next four games don't really matter all that much to you. You have three NFC West head-to-heads. You got... You got uh, you know a little bit of travel there, back to back Tennessee, Arizona, uh, Tennessee. You match up well against Tennessee is a pass funnel. You should score thirty five points on that team and not really break a sweat. Um, the Rams, similarly, like God knows what kind of coverage you are going to be able to manifest from that secondary against this incredible skill group. Um, yeah, I mean that stretch there of Rams, Tennessee, Arizona, Seattle. Uh, if that's not 4-0, it will be a little shocking. Um, 
And maybe realistically, like you could win those games with Trevor Simeon if you really and truly do want to give Joe Burrow time to get whatever his yeah worst what are we, what worst are we case it? grade one and a half sprain because it's, it's worse uh, than a grade one it sounds like but it's, it's, yeah, it's not like a, 1. a grade right? two we're gonna go one point five but yeah it, it is definitely uh, if it, if it does turn into oh shit Batman we gotta like we gotta give him a month and a half off. I'm not sure I'm excited about bringing him back off that kind of injury versus San Francisco Buffalo, but uh, such is life. And I mean, you could give him the first seven weeks off. That's it. Does sound like a disaster. Like if you're listening to this and you're hopeful for the Bengals, it's Trevor Simeon playing the first six games sounds bad, but there's an awful lot of three and threes in there. With even with Trevor Simeon, I think hey, Dallas got there with Cooper Rush last year. Cooper Rush was amazing. And what did that come down to? We had a lot of faith in Dan Campbell. Or not Dan Campbell. We had a lot of faith in Dan Quinn. And we had enough faith in Kellen to put together a game plan with a backup quarterback. Like, I believe I believe enough in these coordinators to get it done, at least against some bad teams. Three and three, four and two could happen with Trevor Simeon. And then and then we, oh, uh, man. you know. You have in the you after buy your Jesus buy, back. And, after your bye is where it gets wild, man. You have a two-game stretch, San Fran Buffalo. That's um, unbelievable. You get a deep breath against Houston. You have a three-game stretch, Baltimore Pitts, Jacks. That is, again, very, very tough. Two road games in the mix there. Then you get a deep breath against Indy and maybe Minnesota, depending on how good that offense is. Uh, and then you finish with Pitt, Cleveland, Pitt, uh, Kansas City, Cleveland. Like that's there are those three stretches independently right there. You're almost because they're clustered. I think you're almost certainly gonna do take some damage. Is that crazy? No, that's not. Yeah, you, I mean it's a it's a first place schedule. You got a bunch of like San Francisco, Buffalo, Jacksonville. Kansas City, these are all teams that are favored to win their division. You have a bunch of second favorites, too, in Tennessee, Minnesota. By, by the time you play Minnesota, they might be a live favorite to win their division at that point. Like There's a, there's a bunch of really tough ones to kind of go with the Houstons and the Arizonas and the Indies. And even like the Minnesota one is in, is in a good spot for them as well at home. But it's, it's not an easy schedule. That's where, you know, like we say, with these high win totals, when they get to the double digits, even with the 17th game, there's always it's it's the same as you know the the prop market weekly yearly however you want to look at it like there's always more things that can go wrong than can go right once you get to you know to the starting to the top of the range and like before we get to the betting odds I'll just say if I'm betting if I'm betting on the Bengals to have a good season it's certainly not starting with their win total yeah because yeah. it just it, it there's a there's enough things where it's like hey they had a really good season. They look really good. Burrow missed a couple games, and there's a couple coin flips that didn't go this way, and we're happy about it. And they're still maybe the third favorite in the playoffs, but they have ten wins. You know, that's that's super feasible <laughs> with the schedule. I think and, that's very, very and the very injury fair. to Joe it's Burrow. A very, so like, very fair read. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. So. I don't know, anything else in the schedule other than the, you know, the Seattle oh, one is a big, big, you know, that's a big rest disadvantage. But Two games, two games I want to point out. Coming off of back-to-back, too. That It's not the easiest stretch into the bye. At least the teams are lower rated. Yeah, two, I guess there's three, three games I want to point out. You ready? I don't 
love that the I mean the NFL is testing you here. They're giving you a giving Buffalo a mini buy before they play you. And even though it's on your turf, it uh, is a slight travel disadvantage because Buffalo will have traveled less in their previous three weeks than you have because you've gone at San Francisco and back. Um, the That doesn't look like a schedule loss per se, but that's going to make that a really, really tough game to win. Um, the fact that Buffalo is presumably going to have a better game plan than they had for you in the playoffs, notwithstanding. Um, the... KC game week 17, New Year's New Year's Eve, Andy, 4 p.m. You going to sit down and watch uh, Burrow Mahomes? That's going to be pretty slick. Um, uh, I mean, probably. Don't – I wish they kind of had him put that at the tail end of the season like this, right? Like, I know you want to build – You, I know you want to build a little excitement for the playoffs to come in, but that feels like a game that probably should be before Christmas. Like, it's going to get a little lost in the mix of the holidays, don't you think? I hope there's bad weather. I hope that's a fun one. Yeah, no, I mean cool. it's it's still it's still Sunday afternoon. It's the game we didn't get. You know, or, you know, we, I did. We we got it, but you know, we didn't get our late season. That was supposed to, that was supposed to be so good. Hey, here's uh, a question the, for the, you: the Buffalo Cincy game, like to have a, to have a premier matchup that might be for you know the one seed. Yeah. If they if they perform well, like. That's massive. It does can suck. I, it's a holiday for some people. But I'm old. I'm not going out. Can you, you can call bullshit on this, but um, first time you played KC, you scored 34 on them. Second time you scored 27. The third time you scored 27. The fourth time you scored 20. Any of the other outputs you had against that Kansas City defense gets you into the Super Bowl last year. Do you think there is something about playing this team more than once? where you can start to pick up some tendencies, you can start to game plan better from a defensive standpoint, or is that a non-trend that I am seeing in the, uh, in, in the, in what's called, what do you call it? Uh, um, I forget what the bias is for this. We talked about it where you draw the target a- or after you see the shots on the wall. Yeah. Uh, like, is this a trend or is it, is it nonsense? Uh, probably nonsense. And especially, the, I mean, that last one, there was, there was, they were well, not that the Chiefs. KC played you better in that game. They played you well in that game. I'm trying to think which they were missing at least one or two offensive linemen at that point. Like it had gotten, it had gotten a little bit injury ish. And at that same point, too, we were like, is Mahomes, even, was that where we were? Is Mahomes even going to play? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is that like foot, foot game? We're like, oh shit. That, I remember watching that yeah. injury, but there's no way he plays. Yeah, for sure. No, that yeah, one opened yeah, up was where you were three, on Earth. three offensive line before that. It did kind of change the dynamic of what that, uh, what that off. I thought it was just maybe Collins, and I can't think of the other one. But it, it was, it was like both teams were going and beat up. But this was a weak, a weakness that has kind of turned into a non-weakness. Now might just regress all the way back into oh, he's going to get hit thirteen times. And probably affected the offensive output, but again, playing a very smart defense, playing a very smart team with a you know time to prepare for you after they've prepared for you three or four times for the last couple seasons, uh, it's not uh, that that would be my my agreement point for you having that Cincy KC game. If yeah. that if that KC Cincy okay. game is like meaningless, 
and not like completely meaningless, but like since he can't get the one seed and it's like between the two and the three and maybe the division is tied up or they can't get the division at that point, you want to beat Kansas City so you're not putting anything on film that day. And it just might not be their best effort and it might it might suck. Like that game might suck if that's the situation. <laughs> we need both teams to be like absolutely fighting for the one yeah. for that to be a barn burner. Okay, I'll, I'll concede that there was definitely something going on with the O line that have impacted that because yeah, there the pressure rate that uh, Kansas City got in that game was way way up relative to what Cincinnati had been allowing, <clears throat> and that uh, that pass rush for the Chiefs was nothing to write home about. So the fact that they got it after it from a pressure standpoint. Five sacks, eleven pressures. Um, they only blitzed twelve times, so they got it done with that that front four, which was eh, meh. Besides, Chris Jones is all all pro. Don't get me wrong, but the rest of those guys, uh, not super duper uh, special. So, all right that that makes that makes me feel a little uh, yeah yeah reset a little bit on you know that particular game. Uh, sucks though that you got uh, you got to play Cleveland to end your season with a mini buy. Bummer. <laughs> uh, okay. Odds. Odds. Uh, the Super Bowl 10 to 1, AFC plus 550, entirely contingent on being the one seed, in my opinion, and at a minimum winning the AFC North. The AFC North plus 150, I don't think, is reflective of how good the other teams in your division are necessarily, not necessarily saying anything about you. Make the playoffs, yes, minus 290, way too high. I have flirted with playing this no because I think there is a world where Cincinnati finishes fourth and is like the eighth team in the seeding. And it's just because they have the toughest schedule of these four teams and the other three teams are very good, in my opinion. So the win total 11.5 would only look under. Um, but I am already on record. I am in the 10 to 1 range, bet in the account for most points scored for Cincinnati because. If Joe Burrow is just fine and he's out there week one, uh, again, this is the second best offense on paper, in my opinion. And uh, if their defense takes any kind of modicum of a step back, they're not going to be able to win games like they won against the uh, Pats 22-18 last year. They're going to have to score 27-30 to week in, week out to make that happen. And I think they're capable of it. The continuity matters to me. So um, I don't have much else to say about the uh, odds. What are you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, nothing really exciting here. Like you said, under 11 and a half because of so many things going wrong. I wonder if that's even up at a lot of places right now with the you know, super uncertainty facing the beginning of the season with their star quarterback. Um, yeah, no, nothing I'm excited about betting. Even the no, like you said, you look at it, but it'd be a lot cooler if it were a three. Hmm. Yes, yeah, kind of obviously, obviously kind if of the price was a little juicier, I'd have to think about that because there are so many good teams. They play so many of these good teams, and it's a very, very tough division overall. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I probably won't have any season-long bets. I'll look at it early season. I, I know sometimes we actually lay out a plan and say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to wait until these things happen, then reevaluate. I think there isn't like a very – set in stone plan it's more of a see where things are in four weeks see what's happening at the quarterback spot see if they rush him back and i think maybe there's some looks in some other teams at that point or you know if uh if the market's out on them immediately if he misses a game or two maybe there's a buy spot i just don't i don't quite know what the look is going to be there's so many there's just the biggest question in the world is that calf right now 
Yeah, it's not helping, Andy. I wanted to have some sincere hot, you know, like some sincere, uh, strongly held takes about the Bengals, and I'm just absolutely mealy mouth, wishy washy about what to think of these guys. Spidey Sense is saying the schedule is too tough for them to get another AFC North without a little bit of luck, and I, uh, I think that really changes the the entire kind of complexion of the AFC. If they're an AFC wildcard team, my God, imagine getting the two seed and being proud with your win-loss record and drawing Bengals week one. That's disaster. <laughs> disaster. Disaster. Um, I'm going to be upset if that's how the Jets. Yeah, good call, ends. little bull. It's, it's a week-to-week team, and really we, yeah. we need to know a lot more about the, about the quarterback situation. Okay. Uh, range of outcomes I think is fair. Uh, this team is absolutely capable of winning the Super Bowl. Ten to one, we'll tell you that. Uh, I think the ship is sailing a little bit on Bro MVP, um, but you know he's still alive. He um, missing. So remember, Jalen Hurts misses two games, essentially loses the MVP race. It's yeah. not like he was guaranteed, but he was in it, and he was very thick in it. He was knuckle deep in that thing, and then it just it went the other way. <laughs> Um, like, yeah, I mean, like a bowling ball, you know? Yeah, like um, a bowling ball. He is like a yeah, bowling exactly. like, clearly. Like a bowling ball, obviously. Um, <laughs> but missing, it's just, I always bring up, like, hey, go play, uh, go play, uh, Oregon week one, lose, run the table in the SEC. Nobody remembers that day up in Austin. Like, it's the same kind of thing where if he misses the first two games and comes back and throws for 4,500 yards, like, maybe it's even more of a narrative, like, oh man, no preseason comes back takes this team, turns it around after a one-and-one one start or one-and-two or whenever he does come back. Like, at least it's not games at the end of the season. That said, like if you're going to bet him to win MVP and you're basing it off that narrative, like do it while he's injured. Like Don't do it right now. Like That number is just going to get longer after a couple so – not every quarterback in the – League is going to shit the bed for two weeks while it's gone. Somebody's going to somebody's going to dance, a, yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to dance and get a little money. Somebody's yeah. going to be two to one, three to one, and you know it's it's going to be silly, and you're going to get a better price. So something to look at, I guess. Okay, I don't think there's really a super low range of outcomes here, even if Burrow misses the most amount of time that anyone could conceive of at this moment. I still think this is a ten win team. Schedule soft in some spots. You get some breathers. You're going to win some of the high leverage ones for sure. You got enough talent. Um, so this is not like I'm dying to play an all under on these guys. And I haven't. <laughs> so betting plan of attack. We've already mentioned it. I already played most points just because this potential synergy of the offense is real. Uh, and the defense could step back. And if that happens, then 27 to 30 points could become the norm. And all of a sudden, this is an over team instead of an under team. And uh, yeah. That's about it for me. Yeah. Uh, we will continue to monitor things, and we'll probably see a bunch of Tremor Simeon against the Packers. Yeah. Which is why the Packers are like five-point favorites. Yeah. Um, Birdie brings up something funny, which see. is if you win the one seed with that schedule, he has to be in the mix. So I feel like the strength of schedule gets in almost entirely – thrown out the window when people are deciding on awards the the only way it gets involved i'll push back a little it can be involved if the strength of schedule leads to signature wins 
Sure. Tough strength. Like, so sure. the math is there. If you're the one seed with a tough strength of schedule, it means you probably beat the other good teams. And the, yeah. like you, I mean, we looked at the schedule. Those are primetime games. If yeah. you win those big ones in primetime and like every, you know, the whole world saw you out duel, uh, you know, one of these top teams with the top quarterback and you've done it a couple times. That that's what puts it. That's how a schedule puts you in that mix. That's a great point. And and the one seed is probably just a byproduct of well, we beat Buffalo and Kansas City, man. What yeah, are you gonna that, do? That's a great point. Yeah. Um so. it I would say that's even more though for like the Heisman or something, you know. Um, but uh yeah, it it definitely matters winning the high profile games. And if they're not on your schedule at all, then it becomes tough. But Hertz was favorite going away last year when he got hurt and he played nobody. So I don't know, man. Um, all right. Well, I am uh, sadly out on a team that has made me a lot of money the last couple of years and uh, doesn't feel great. But so it goes because there are just so many damn good teams in the AFC North. And uh, this is going to be a delightful division to handicap week in, week out. And we get to start week one. And we get to carry it on week two. And we get to close with it with a fascinating Bengals Browns uh, finale for the season. So, so it goes. It's from a book guys. Look it up. <laughs> we'll see you guys in two weeks. I'm headed on vacation. Join the survivor pool. Yeah. Join the survivor pool, please. Those links are in the show notes and the description on the podcast. It's free. Send you to the super bowl. Appreciate you guys. If you followed along on YouTube, please subscribe. That helps us out. Those numbers hit the thumbs up. That helps as well. Um, enjoy these last few weeks. I'm, I'm diving even more face first into the, uh, into the preseason. I am going to have to tighten it up a little. I wrote like 2,000 words on the Thursday night games yesterday and realized like I can't spend two hours on every preseason game working up. So I'm tightening it up, but I, I'm going to bet a lot of these preseason games this weekend because there's still a lot of fun angles, I think, to be had, even though we've seen some. I think there's some, I think there's some cases to go against some of the steam, especially maybe in Cleveland, uh, all things said. So uh, I'll have some more. I'll have the link to that if you want to follow along the newsletter I put out too. That'll be more frequent as we have more football to bet on, obviously. So I'll put a link to that in the description as well. And we'll catch you guys in two weeks for the AFC something. See that uh, news uh, or that clip that uh, 